Glad that you're here with us. In just a minute, our elders are going to join us. But I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page and really understand what we're here for. Why do we exist and why do we live in Northwest Cary and why do we live in this area? Why, why are, what are we going to do with the air that we breathe? Why has God put us here on this earth? No matter where your paycheck comes from, no matter at what stage of life you're in, the purpose that you have and the purpose that I have is exactly the same. We're here to make disciples who make disciples. And Matthew 28, at the end of the gospel, Jesus looked at his followers, the disciples, and he says, I want you to go and make disciples. And we at Northwest have, have really have this phrase that you keep hearing us say, and t- today is a, a standalone message. Next week, we'll begin a series in the book of Genesis. Ryan will talk about that at the end of the service. And so today is a standalone message to really make sure that we're all on the same page. You're going to hear from our elders in just a little bit. And and, and really, I I want us to be re-centered. I want us to be reminded of why we're here and how we can be organized to basically accomplish the purpose by which we're left here to do. And so, you know, whether you're an engineer, a teacher, a stay-at-home mom, the purpose or, or why are we here is to make disciples who make disciples. And Jesus honestly made that very clear throughout the scriptures. And, and the question you have to ask again is, is how do we get there? How are we going to be a disciple? If you're sitting there saying, hey, I'm a new Christian, or maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. I'm glad you're here. And, and, and maybe you're just trying to figure these things out or how do we get to be a disciple who's making disciples? How do we become a follower of Jesus? Well, we, we say this a lot. We, we, we want to live in such a way. A disciple is someone who is learning to trust, love, and obey Jesus. And the way that we do that is we, we live our lives with an open Bible. We, that's what we do. We live our lives with an open Bible. We live our lives with, with an open life. We're vulnerable with each other. I don't know of a more bigger demonstration of vulnerability than what we just saw here with Megan. I'm telling you as my family that I've struggled with postpartum depression and anxiety. I had to go get help for that. I have a husband who doesn't know the Lord yet. And I want to reveal that to you. You're my family. And so here we are, we're a church, that what we want to do is want to live with an open Bible. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And I'm so encouraged by so many people that I'm hearing lately that are living with an open Bible. And I'm grateful that we have a testimony and more testimonies like Sudhakar last week who talked about that he was raised in a Hindu home. He married a lady that was Hindu. And they go to this church because they're the believers in Lord Jesus Christ. And so we know that the God of the universe has never stopped moving and we're seeing it right now. And so how, do we be, how are we going to be disciples who make disciples? We're going to live with an open Bible. We're going to live with open lives. And, and, and then 
we're living with an open faith. Faith is very personal, but it's never meant to be private. It is never meant to just be on my own. God has says, just as the Holy Spirit has come, when, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, which is the moment of salvation, he says, you will be my witnesses. You will tell what you have seen him do. And so we want to be disciples who are making disciples. We want to learn to trust, love, and obey Jesus. And we do that with an open Bible, an open life, and an open faith. And, and, and so how, are we, how, do, how do we get there? Um, how do we, well, the next question up on the screen is, how are we organized to ensure that this happens here at our church? How is Northwest or really a lot of churches organized to make sure that this takes place? So, so one of the ways that, that, that I want you to see is that we're organized that we have elders in the church, we have deacons in the church, and we have our staff, full-time staff and part-time staff. And what does that look like? We have here at Northwest, our staff, we have Matt Trebbing, who's in charge of our student ministry, and he's on the worship team. We have Gazel Lee, administrative help at the office. You want an event done at Northwest Community Church? Gazel Lee has her hands all over that. Amen? She's got her hands all over that event. We have Teresa, who's, who's discipling, who is in charge of helping our kids know the greatest message in all of the world. Teresa's helping us partner with you. You tell your kids we reinforce what you're telling your kids. It's a partnership together. And that's what Teresa's helping lead our, our, um, our kids. We have Scott Lusheen, who's on, who's on staff part-time as a worship leader. And then we have David, Ryan, and myself. We're full-time pastors, and we're also elders at the church. Pastor, elder, shepherd, overseer is the same term. It's the one that the scripture uses, and it's the same term. And, and so that, that's how we are organized here at the church. To do what? To make disciples who make disciples. So we can be organized to live with an open Bible, an open life, and an open faith. That we can together learn to trust, love, and obey Jesus. And what I want to talk to you about today is I really want to talk to you about the role of an elder. If we could summarize the organization of our church, if we were to summarize the organization, it would be that we are, we are Christ-centered. We're Christ-centered. Jesus is the cornerstone. There is no second place. There, he is the center of, of who we are and what we're going to do. He's the center. And so they were, we are Christ-centered, we are elder-led, and we are congregationally accountable. Christ-centered, elder-led, congregationally accountable. And so how do the elders sort of function at, in the life of the church? So we are sitting down here and we're talking uh, as a staff on Tuesday, and um, I am getting ready to think about what I'm going to preach on, and I had an idea, and I ran it through the staff on Tuesday. And they said, no, <laughs> no. 
No, I'm just kidding. They didn't say that. <laughs> kind of. And then Teresa was just spoke up and said, you know, if you have lay elders, you know, we hear Ryan and we hear you and we see David and those are, we are three of the elders of the church, full-time um, staff elders on the church, okay? But we don't really, we, we don't see as much as the lay elders who they are and hear from them. And the purpose of today is to really invite you to nominate elders to be a part of our team so that we can make disciples who make disciples and continue doing the work that God is currently doing right now. And what better way to in, to, for you to consider as you were nominated, men, as you were nominated, to really consider what this looks like than hearing from three guys who are doing that work. And so I celebrate these elders coming up on the stage with me, and I know that you will as well. So guys, come on up, make your way up here. Um, yep, the three of you come on up. We have four chairs up on the stage here. And so as they're making their way up, I just want to celebrate just looking at how are we as a church organized to do with what God has left us here to do. So, um, yes, Brian's got the mic. Now we're going to sit down, and we're going to have sort of a, a family feel to, to, our, to our time together. So, guys, first up, I just want the folks out here to know who you are. So go ahead, take some time, introduce yourselves, introduce your family. How long have you been at Northwest, and how long have you been functioning as an elder? Hello. I was kind of hoping uh, Laird would help me up the steps as he did for Sandy. <laughs> help me down. I'm old enough. You can help me down. <laughs> That's right. My name is Brian Cross. I'm, uh, well, my wife is in kids, and uh, my, one of my boys is here, Cody, Cody Cross. I've been at Northwest for 12, no, 11 years, 11 years, and serving on the other team it's uh, for 10, so. Uh, my name is Zach Kirby. Uh, my wife Kelly and I have been coming here uh, for about 11 years as well. Um, we have five kids. Our oldest uh, is married, and our youngest is four. So we've got a lot of kids at a lot of ages and a lot of stages. Uh, but I've been, I've been uh, serving as an elder for about three years. Hi, I'm Aaron Kiefer. My wife, Casey, and I have been coming here for 15, I believe, and um, we have three kids, Eli, London, and Nora, and I've been on the elder team for approximately three years as well. Great. So I'm glad you guys are here. Um, if you're upset about being up here, blame it on Teresa. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I, I feel like the Lord used Teresa to be able to help us really just help the church and help us just to be able to share with people today. So... First of all, I'm going to ask a question as to Brian Cross, and so you go ahead and give him that mic. Brian, help answer the question when someone would ask the question, what is an elder? What does an elder do? What is the purpose of an elder? Answer that question for us if you can. Sure. You know, Matt gave us a heads up, and he said we have 45 minutes. I don't know if it was I get 45 <laughs> minutes, you get 45 minutes, four to five, four to five minutes. That's my, my wife's in here, but that's her joke. 
as Cody can attest. She said she left four or five minutes. Yeah, that's right. better. Yeah. I do have three other kids there. They're older than Cody. So purpose of an elder, I think nothing, uh, no silver bullet, but I've got four things that I want to share. First and foremost is, is prayer. You know, Jesus gives us a great example in, in John chapter 17, right before he's going to the cross, he's praying for his disciples. And specifically, I'd, li- I'd like you to read this this afternoon yourself, but verse 20 of chapter 17, it speaks about us. He is praying for those who become disciples because of what his disciples share. And so he was praying for us 2,000 years later. So that's pretty special that we know that our Lord Jesus was praying for us. So as elder team, we also, one of my brothers in a small group shared a sermons, uh, sermon the other day with uh, John Piper with our group, and it was Ask, Seeking, and Knocking. And it was encouraging and challenging at the same time, but we get to serve a God who wants to hear from his people. So part of that role is for us to come and pray for our body, for our local body, for healing, for marriages, for life circumstances, but also for our growth as well. Second role I think we have is is to lead. You know, in this role we do lead, and sometimes leading can be a challenge. We don't go as quickly as maybe the body wants us to, but we do want to lead from a position where we're waiting on the Lord And that's always kind of a a challenge. But I will tell you the three, as Matt mentioned, the three full-time staff elder pastors, Matt, David, and Ryan, they're leading from humility and self-sacrificially. So we are very thankful that these three men are leading the way they are. I'm grateful for that. Third, I think, is the protection. You know, the the enemy, as the scriptures say, is is a roaring lion always seeking for those whom he may devour. And that's a, that's a way for us as an elder team, and for you as well, to pray for protection over our body and to pray that, that we would be safe in God's, you know, God's arms. He's a refuge for us, as Ryan has mentioned earlier. And then finally, I want us to be able to, make sure I got my last note here, growth. You know, each disciple is is responsible for their own growth. You need to be in the Word for for your own relationship with Jesus. But as elders, we want to create an atmosphere where you can grow, and you're taught, and you're encouraged, challenged, even, even rebuked at times. But we want to come alongside and lovingly encourage you. You know, there's one other scripture that I'll reference, Acts 17 I want to be like this person. It was described as the people from Berea. They would take the scriptures and just verify, is that really what that teacher or my pastor or an evangelist was saying? And they study the scriptures. They're noble people that look into the scriptures and say, no, I have a question about that. I'm concerned about what you just taught. Be that. That means you're in the word. So those are the four things I think are important. Great. Thanks for that. So, um, Zach, uh, I'm going to read 1 Timothy 1 through uh, 7. And here the question is this. The question is, um, 
there is a thought that elders are a super set of Christians. <laughs> Just ask our wives. And, 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 and you're going to answer the question, like, how do you address that misconception? So when we read 1 Timothy chapter 3, 1 through 7, I'm going to read that for us. And then, Zach, I want you to hit on that misconception. How would you answer that misconception? Thus, the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if anyone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for, the, for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into the disgrace, into the snare of the devil. So you read that, and initially you go, whoa, that, I'm, I, I'm not that person. I can't be that. So there's this misconception or myth that the elders are some superset of Christians or that idea. So talk about, answer, how would you answer that misconception? Well, I, uh, I believe that misconception for a while. Um, so I, earlier uh, in my uh, membership at Northwest, I was nominated to be an elder, and I, I declined because I didn't feel like I was ready for that. I didn't feel like I could live up to those, those expectations. Um, but, you know, as I, as I grew and as I was uh, involved in men's studies and such, I came to understanding that, you know what, the, the standard isn't perfection, right? It isn't, we've always got to hit these marks all the time without fail. It's, we have to be faithful. We have to be striving. And, and just like everybody else in this church body who professes the name of Jesus, you know, we are held to a standard. And we are always striving, but we're, we're, we're going to fail. We're going to come up short at times. Um, and that's where humility comes in. And confession and repentance. Um, you know, we're not required to be without sin. You know, the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that's everybody. That's everybody sitting in here. That's everyone who's ever been born, except for one man, and that's Jesus. And so we have to rely on his grace uh, and his mercy and, and um, really just depend on him as we, mm -hmm. as we seek to, to lead and to serve and to shepherd uh, this, this body. Uh, you know, I love how uh, in First Peter chapter 5, uh, Peter talks about elders, and he says, um, you know, the, the elders are called to shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And I, I think that really speaks to the heart of what it means to be an elder, and that is you you get this privilege of um, helping to shepherd, helping to care for, helping to protect the people in this body of believers. And it is a privilege. It's a huge privilege. And it's one that um, you know, we, we can't take lightly. Uh, so for those who may be sitting out there thinking, you know, I, I, could, never, I could never do that. I could, I, I'm not spiritual enough. I'm not you know, uh, Christian enough or whatever that means. You know, it, we're, we're not like the the spiritual Avengers sitting up here, right? We don't have superpowers. We're just, 
we're just men who are, are trying to faithfully serve Jesus uh, how we've been called. And um, sometimes we fail. Sometimes we stumble. Sometimes we have to ask for forgiveness. And I think that's an important part of being an elder is being willing to do that yeah. and, being, and, and having that humility and understanding that you know, we don't have all the answers, but we are going to try to faithfully seek God's uh, will for this church body and for you know, how he has us moving forward. Thanks. All right, Aaron, next question for you. Many people have grown cynical because of the abuse of an elder or leader in the church. And we pray that God would lead us to the right men knowing we're not perfect and we must keep our pride in check. So how do elders protect against being power hungry? Yeah, good question. Um, how many of you have heard the term your own little fiefdom. What's a fief? It's a little piece of land, right? In the Middle Ages, the, the Lord would, would reign over the fiefdom. And he'd have servants or serfs to do his bidding. And thankfully, here at Northwest, we're not a fiefdom. There's only one Lord, right? The pastors aren't lords. You all aren't the serfs. But as you mentioned in First Peter, you know, there is a calling for authority, but that authority is not based and rooted in pride. C.S. Lewis says this, that pride leads to every other vice, and it's the complete anti-God state of mind. And so caring for the flock, like we heard about in First Peter, is really the opposite about, of caring for oneself. And so it's human nature, though, if you're in a position of power to start to think, wow, I'm, you know, I'm pretty good. It's kind of intoxicating when you get deferred to. And so that's one of the roles of an elder team because pride is, is problematic in leadership. And we all have it. We all have it to one degree or another. And so an effective elder team protects the church from becoming a fiefdom. We hold one another accountable to Christ and not to our own selves. One question I want to ask is, if someone were to say to you, are you prideful? Most of us would say, no, we're not prideful. But what I would ask is, when you have a discussion with someone, a conversation, is it about you or is it about them? Do you learn their name? Do you ask good questions? Do you really seek to understand who they are? And I'm guilty of this. Sometimes I'll shake a hand and say hi. I'm already thinking about what I'm going to say next rather than actually hearing those mm -hmm. people. And I want to commend the staff and the pastors here in particular for being people who really care more about someone else than they care about themselves. And I want that to continue at Northwest Community Church, and that's why we need strong elders to encourage that. Um, and I'm just thankful that we have leaders who are in that mode right now, that when they shake a hand and say hi, they probably know your name, they know your kid's name, and I can tell you from being part of the elders uh, group meetings that we do spend a lot of time in prayer, praying for people individually, lifting them up to the Lord, and so it's been an encouragement to me uh, to be part of that team. Interest is the state of wanting to know or learn something about someone, and I love that the elders and the pastors and the staff here, the leaders are interested in knowing you all on a deep level. Philippians 2 says, don't be selfish, 
Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. And so I hope that as we are disciples making disciples, that's something that is known about Northwest Community Church. Finally, I just want to close with how do elders glorify Christ? Well, by becoming servants. We're all servants of the Lord. I want to call out the current leadership here for being humble and accountable and being servants under the word. And I want to ask you all to continue to hold the leadership accountable and to continue in that same way of making disciples and loving as Christ loves. Thanks, Aaron. Okay, guys, I've got one more question for each of you. Aaron, we're going to start with you. It's the same question, and it's an opportunity for you to just, again, share from your heart. Uh, the question is, is how has serving as an elder encouraged you about God's work in our church? Um, I, I would say this. Please hear me. We are relationally the healthiest we have ever been as an elder team, and as a staff. It is a joy, from my perspective, to work with the people that I get to work with and to serve with these guys on the elder team. What I'm most encouraged about, about being on the elder team and being a full-time staff member myself, is being able to serve and knowing that there are people surrounding me that are stronger in areas that I'm not. And knowing that we are, um, there, there is a great amount of trust among each other to do God's work. Um, I'm so excited about that. So, so Aaron, we, the question is, how has serving as an elder encouraged you about God's work in our, in our church here at Northwest? So I wrote down a, um, a line from a song by Chris Rice. He's Matt Rice's cousin, right? Chris, Chris Rice, has this, he has this great hymn. It's called The Untitled Hymn. And it says, Weak and wounded sinners lost and left to die. Oh, raise your head, for love is passing by. Come to Jesus. And I love that because I totally feel that we are weak and wounded sinners here on the leadership team. Everyone is bent out of shape. I think that the pastors have been really open about struggles that they have with depression or have struggles they've had with anxiety. None of us are immune, and it's the grace of the Lord to allow us to serve one another, to lead well, despite our insufficiencies. And so as a, as a member of the team, um, I, I feel like I'm, in some ways, a spiritual amateur, and that's okay because the Lord is such a great and gracious God. And so being part of this team has been a great encouragement to me, and it's been one of the reasons I was excited about getting involved when I did was that I could be mutually encouraged and held accountable in my spiritual walk. And so I want to challenge you all who feel like, well, maybe I wouldn't qualify or I don't check all the boxes. The Lord can use you because we are all weak and we're all wounded. I think one of the, the biggest encouragements for me is being, being on the elder team, you, you get a different view for how God is working in the body. Um, you know, we, 
we have elder meetings sometimes where we just sit and we just pray for you guys. And we, we pray for you by name. And seeing God work in the body is just, it's awesome. And it's, it's, a, it's a privilege that I wouldn't have if I weren't an elder a lot of times. Because you, you just don't, you don't know about everything that's going on in the church. Um, but we, we get the privilege of, of praying and fighting alongside of, of, of husbands and wives who are fighting for their marriage. Um, moms and dads who are fighting for the hearts and minds of their kids. Mm. And it's just, <clears throat> excuse me, it's, coo- it's just cool to see how God works. It's cool to see how God opens doors with the town of Cary for our building process and for the land and um, <clears throat> you know, things that, uh, it, it, it's just, it, it's encouraging. And there's, there's so much negativity, you know, in the media and in the world today that, you know, you, you, don't, you don't get a real uh, good grasp of how the hand of God still moves, <clears throat> if that's all you hear. Um, but, you know, it's, it's an encouragement to see <clears throat> just how marriages have been restored, um, how um, you know, men and women in our church are are fighting for, um, for their families. And that's, to me, that's just a huge encouragement. And, I, and it, it's a, one of the greatest privileges, in my opinion, of being an elder, just being able to fight alongside you guys uh, for that. Man. Yeah, first and foremost, I, I see three of my uh, other elder brothers out here that had been on this team, and I, I want to make sure that you know Jeff Rutledge and Charlie Rogers and John Abel that I see uh, have served alongside of me and the pastors here as well in the past. And, you know, the past maybe hasn't been so kind at, at seasons as we can attest, but there's, there's two things that I'm encouraged with as well as these guys here sharing that we get to be a part of this body. And we are, we are just a part, just a part of it. We need everyone who loves the Lord to be involved in this body. But two things, I look back. It was a time, I don't, you guys might remember we began to quarantine a couple years ago. It's kind of a pain for everybody. But I was encouraged as I reflected back on what the church did we were meeting outside in lawn chairs, out in the, in the heat and in the cold. And, you know, Dave and I have had discussions. It's kind of nice to be, I like cold weather, so it's kind of nice sometimes. But for those of you who, who weren't able to make it, it was, it was still really good to be involved outside. And it was a family-style service. Uh, I kind of long for those. Maybe one day we'll have one of those again. Who knows? <laughs> out in the cold with coats. And our kids running around in the back. And second, this kind of refers back to uh, my three brothers in the audience of the, the challenges in the past. I'm, I'm reading a book with my small group of guys. And one of the quotes is, character is revealed over time or shaped over time. But it is actually revealed in difficult circumstances and crises. And to be a part of a team uh, for the last 10 years has been difficult and rewarding and challenging, but but I wouldn't want to, well, maybe I wouldn't say that. Maybe I would change a couple things, but 
I'm grateful for the, the situation that it created in, in these elders and the character that was revealed. Okay, so, Howard, man, this is unique. Uh, I'm rolling around over here. Um, uh, I'm going to stand up. <laughs> I'm going to stand up. Because I just want to, I want to summarize. I want to thank you guys for being up here. I don't want you to leave right now. But I, I want you to, I want you to, I want to go summarize. Band, you can make your way back. And, and here's, here's what, here's what I want to do. We, we, we as an elder team, we pastor a flock, we teach doctrine, we refute error. We, we are in charge of nurturing spiritual growth, um, tracking down strays. Where are you? I haven't seen you. Are you okay? Um, governing and leading and, and diffusing conflicts, just to name a few. And why do we do those things? Let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back to our purpose. It's found in Matthew 28, because God has given us a command, not a suggestion, to go make disciples. And we make disciples who make disciples. That is, not, that is not a suggestion, it's a command. And we want to center everything around that because Colossians 1.28 says that the elders were able to present everyone mature in Christ Jesus. And our hope is that you would be able to be mature in Christ Jesus, that you would walk faithfully with him as long as the Lord gives you breath. And, and, and so the question you have to ask is, well, are you adding to the team? Yes, we do. We want to add to our team. We think that in order to keep our team healthy, we need to have healthy additions to our team. And so today, the purpose is, of course, coming to you and asking for, a, for nominations of, of, uh, that you feel that are, you know these guys, you're in life with them, um, they're in our church, they're members of our church, and that would be a part of our team. So the question would have to be whether you're nominated or whether you're even considering it is, oh my gosh, you understand how busy my schedule is. I have a busy, I have a commute that's really long. I have a really big family and I have lots of responsibilities and I've got some hobbies that I like to participate in too. Does that mean I'm gonna have to give all of these things up? And all of these guys have said, no, you don't. You may have to say no to some things but we're saying yes to a greater thing, and that is to say yes to leading in this way, um, to being part of the team. Jake and I were playing pickleball. It's my first pickleball illustration of 2023, okay? <laughs> I just want to make sure that that's known if you're keeping record. We were playing pickleball Thursday night, and um, we were waiting. It was really busy, and there, was, there were two guys, and they were un believable. They were sit playing singles. And I looked at him and I was like, did you play tennis? He's like, well, I played tennis for four years at NC State and I'm making transition to pickleball. And I'm like, oh, all right. I said, uh, so, so what are your thoughts? And he says, I love singles because I, 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 I love to be by myself. And I just rebuked him and said, oh, I love doubles because I can't cover the whole court. I can't track down everything. I use that illustration to basically say, how is this possible when you say, how are we able to navigate life and schedules and things like that? How is it possible? It's called a team. It's called a plurality of elders. It's called recognizing that there are gifts that I don't have 
that Brian has and Zach has and Aaron has. And when we come together in humility, we're able to accomplish far more than we could ever ask or imagine. And that's the reason it's possible. And that's the reason that every text of scripture, when Paul is writing, he's like, to the elders, to the elders, to the overseers, it's plural. Because it prevents us from, what's that word, Aaron? Uh, no, firedom. What was that word that you had? Fiefdom. It prevents us from fiefdom. Firedom. It prevents us from fiefdom. Having... But it prevents us from creating and uh, being on an island all by ourselves. It's a team. And so you're asking the question, maybe your response even to this is, I could never do that, or I could. I'd ask you to hold back, and I'd ask you to pray and ask the Lord, could the Lord be giving you guys in the church, members of the body, could he be burdening you right now to be a part of this team so that we can continue to fight for the people in our community that don't know Jesus and help the ones that are in our community be mature in King Jesus. Be mature. And so here, here's our, our action is that at the sometime after the service today, after 12 o'clock, you'll get a text message with a form to nominate some nominate an elder or two elder here at the church. We will take that as a team. We will pray over those names, and then we will make contact with them and let them know that they've been nominated and go through our process. That's what happens. Now, now the next thing is when we read the text of Scripture in First, in, in first Timothy chapter 3, 1 through 7, and it's, you know, uh, it lists all those things. I would pray that all of us are living that way, whether we're an elder or not. I pray that everyone would be living that way. We'd be looking at our lives and saying, yeah, I'm, I'm self-controlled. I, I, I'm striving to live in this way, whether or not you're on the team or not on the team. But what we'd ask you to do, and what I'm going to ask you is if David and Ryan are gonna come up here, they're on, a, on our elder team as well, we're staff elders, and I'm going to ask one of you to just stand and pray that God would raise up godly men to join our elder team. Would somebody stand up as we get ready to conclude the band? Come on out, David and Ryan. Come up on stage as we just, uh, as you pray. Uh, not, not necessarily pray for us. We, we want you to pray that there would be people in the church that would answer the, the call to becoming part of this team. So who would do such a thing? Right there, John Abel. God bless you, my brother. Okay. Father God, we just thank you for the time today.
Amen. All right, so why don't we go ahead and stand. We're going to sing one more song. Ryan's going to close out the service in just a minute with an announcement. So go ahead and stand, and let's sing.